0: how are you good how are you (laughs) look at us we're so old dude i'm all gray you're all old (laughs) that's awesome
1: emerson murray is an author painter filmmaker gamer radio dj in action figure maker and basically an inspiration i met emerson in high school He handed me a camera and told me to take pictures. He made me a bit character in a sci-fi melodrama. He cast me as a lead in his small black-and-white film project. And we spent more than a decade battling aliens and creating worlds together. Later, we worked at UCSC together and had lunch almost every day and decided to launch a little podcast. He's amazing. The painting I felt like came out of nowhere. All of a sudden he's making paintings that are up in galleries and I want them. I'm buying them. And he's also like this amazingly cool father, engaged with his kids at a way that I'm jealous of sometimes. And like any good artist, I think he kind of pushes a little bit, pushes at the boundaries. And the book he's just released pushes me a little bit. I don't know if I want to engage in this content. But I respect the hell out of Emerson and I want to know what he thinks. Here's my conversation with Emerson Murray. We haven't seen each other enough. I I know, in a long time. A long time. And so much has changed. I mean, we haven't haven't talked about your surgery, and then I I meant to be more involved in your father's passing and come to the funeral. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Yeah. How are you with his passing?
0: I don't know how I'm doing. It's weird. I'm having weird midlife crisis energy you know like uh i don't know you you always think of it as such a joke like oh yeah you're gonna get old and go buy a motorcycle and then it happens and you're like no i'm pretty much i just pretty much want to get in my van and just drive away (laughs) we're all done here
1: it's time to start something new (laughs) time to be start time to be somebody else I mean, things are going to start new in a few years, right? The girls are probably going to go off to college or at least leave the house at some yeah, point. Yeah. And there's be different.
0: plenty of new shit, you know, like yeah. there's always new stuff going on, but there's something like, it's just weird. And I, I, I think it has something to do with, with my dad's death, but yeah. you know, it's just, there's so, I've never had dep- like real depression. Like I've been sad about stuff, but like real depression and, um, it sort of kicked in this w- weird feeling that I've never had in like you know, anybody that's had it is like, yeah, yeah, idiot. But (laughs) for me, it was like, what is this where it's like, you don't, um, like you're logically, you're like, yeah, I'm loved. My family loves me and everything's fine. But then your feelings are like, yeah, I'm totally unloved and nobody loves me. And you can't reconcile the guy, the damn, like uh, the logic and the feelings. And I've never, like, usually you can like get those to work out and then you're like, yeah, I'm going to be okay. And, And right now it's like, Wait, why, why, the, why the hell am I have, having this feeling and stuff? We were in Chubby's the other day, and I'm just like looking out the window. I started crying for no re- like sobbing for no reason. It, and M- Maria's like, you know, what's going on? And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I just feel sad. <laughs> like I'm not, I wasn't yeah. even thinking about anything sad or anything. I'm just like, it's just weird. So I don't know what's, what's going on with that right now. But um, How long's that been going on? Like a couple of months. I don't know. It's just weird
1: it's hard to it, i don't even know if what i said makes sense like no, to de- uh, to describe you know it totally makes sense and at the same time if you don't if you're not conscious of why it's you're sad it's it's hard to understand if there's anything yeah. you can do about it
0: yeah because i'm used to being able to solve problems you know <laughs> like you you're like okay we'll get here then go to there and here and then and with this is like i have no clue no clue like what's going on or like if it's further and then i tried the old strategy this weekend of like you know fake it till you make it kind of thing where you're like i'm just gonna act happy and sure enough it worked for the most part like it's suddenly (laughs) i'm like now I'm i'm happy i guess okay cool and then i played this video game i was playing called um disco Elysium and there's this scene where he goes for um the main character just goes for a walk with this lady and and you're just the guy's a total drunk who's like lost his memory a total kind of this loser cop but then this one person in the game is nice to him and then I I started sobbing again I'm like crying because the walk has to end and you're like god damn it why'd that walk have to end and then there's no option to like continue to talk to her in any meaningful way and I, I was like god damn this game so uh yeah, it's just sort of weird, you know? So
1: you're in quite in flux right now.
0: Yeah, totally, A- absolutely, absolutely. There's all kinds I mean, of weird. stuff. You don't stuff.
1: remember this kind of thing happening in your life before? You no. were like this in like middle school or something? No, I.
0: You know, my my high school, um, yeah, middle school was really different. You know, like I had different angsty shit going on than than uh, than this. Like like way way different than this. I didn't I didn't have I don't know if you remember in high school, but I didn't really have like uh, and depression in that way, I, you know, I had like, you know, sadness and whatever. You know, go listen to The, the Cure or something like that. But like, uh, it, it, I was always like super um, energy and engaged you know, more, in something. Yeah, 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 and more positive yeah. and stuff. And I'm, am still like, you know, projects up the ass. But it's just,
1: just this weird thing going on. I can't, I can't get to the bottom of so. You know, when I was thinking about people to interview for this podcast, obviously you were like top of mind because one of the things I'm thinking about is all the people in my life that are like impressive and creative and engaging. And you are Mm. an author and a filmmaker and a parent and uh, a gamer, which, Mm. which is at a higher level than most people, I think, in regards <laughs> to role-playing game, also a computer gamer. Thank you. But And, of course, we've done a podcast together before um, Yeah, that was short-lived. And uh, that's what
0: I was afraid of. I thought, okay, Lyle and I start talking, we're going to come up with five new projects that neither of us have time for.
1: Yeah. And in that regard, we're kind of similar. We both have yeah. like projects going on all the time. One of the projects you've just launched that i haven't read mm-hmm. is your second book murder capital of the world actually it's mm-hmm. your third book but your third your second publicly available book <laughs> yeah, the other mm-hmm. one was kind of secret yeah that's yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> murder capital of the world which is an inspection of santa cruz in the 19th early 1970s covering mm-hmm. uh the time period of three different uh serial killers mm-hmm. which caused the the basic labeling of santa cruz as the murder capital of the world yeah and of course this is right when we're right what we were born into because we were born right at the end of that era yeah You've, your first book is actually about Bruiser Brody. He was a famous wrestler.
0: Yeah, he was a professional wrestler. What they called an outlaw wrestler. He didn't like work for the WWF or WWE. He, he he traveled the country, traveled the world. You know, wrestling in these little promotions, and he was a blood and guts wrestler. You know, he was more famous for hitting you with a steel chair outside the ring than like his headlocks or anything. And then he eventually was murdered in, in Puerto Rico in 1988. Yeah, so he had a, he had a wild wild life. So,
1: and I. Always envisioned the interest and the desire about Bruiser Brody is that you saw him wrestle. You pa- mm-hmm. were passionate about him. And then this horrific thing happened that was kind of a mystery. Very clearly, I mean, it's obvious actually who did it, but no one actually was prosecuted or anything mm-hmm. for it. So the narrative is really, from my the way I thought about how you thought about it, was that it was important to you and you wanted to learn more. Mm-hmm. The Murder Capital of the World book is focusing on serial killers. In fact, mm-hmm. you've interviewed... Uh,
0: yeah, Herbert Mullen. Yeah, we, we write letters back and forth. Why is this interesting to you? okay well that's the why is it interesting that's that's a tough one yeah uh I you know I'm I was a U.S. history minor when I went to San Jose State so I've always been interested in history and this particular story uh for those people who don't know yeah we had a a mass murderer named John Lindley Frazier in 1970 and then two serial killers uh, Herbert Mullen and Edmund Kemper who uh people might know from the Mindhunter TV show um in Santa Cruz and the two serial killers were running around it at the same time. So,
1: and they weren't. They didn't know each other enough that they were doing things together. They were independent from each other. Okay. No. Yeah. They didn't.
0: They didn't know. I mean, they had Herbert Mullen was kind of out of it, but but Edmund Kemper knew that somebody else, another, another killer, was operating in Santa Cruz. And uh, Herbert Mullen uh, killed his last victim on February thirteenth, nineteen seventy-three, and he was caught like just minutes after. And I was born on March 3rd, 1973, so just a few weeks later. Um, and one of Herbert Mullen's previous victims had been a man named Jim Genera, and that was somebody that my dad knew. So when I was growing up, we, uh, we always heard about Jim, and we heard about these stories about the murder capital of the world, and it was always just really intriguing to me. You know, I mean, my family was kind of dark. My grandma kept the newspapers from John Lindley Frazier from that crime against the Oda family. And um, it, I remember being at like a Halloween party over at uh, Carl Bergman's house and he, uh, hearing the adults talking on the back porch about these crimes and stuff. And um, it was just something there. And and uh, my dad had a picture later on the wall of him and his friend Jim Genero. So it was something we just grew up with it was something we always knew we knew oh jim was mm-hmm. killed and we used to sit under the street light out on fremont street in front of our house with the neighbors and talk about her And we, like logically we knew he was in, in prison but we used to like make up stories about him like he was like our michael myers myers or he jason he was, yeah. he was like our boogeyman so i mean mm-hmm. later later it was the night stalker because you know in 1985 or whenever he was running around you know he, he had killed in Los Angeles, and then he had killed in San Francisco. And so by our little uh, little kid minds, we had done the mathematics and the equations, and we said, you know, there's a very high probability that his next uh, the next victims are going to be in Ben Lomond and probably on Fremont Street. So, you know, that's by our calculations. <laughs> so, what you know, that's mathematics, you? right? So 85, yeah, I would have been like 12. Yeah, yeah so. okay. So uh, what? Yeah.
1: At 12, I was not talking about serial killers right. and stuff. I mean, I was definitely <laughs> scared of boogeymen, but what was it about you that brought your people around you into this kind of story and, and narrative? Yeah,
0: that's a good question. I, I don't really know. I mean, I remember reading Helter Skelter. Uh, my grandma had a copy when I was like in fifth grade, however old you are in fifth grade, I don't know, but um, yeah. 10, 9, 10. So I, it was just always sort of interested, I guess. Yeah, that morbid stuff. It, it's it, It's funny because. I I thought that that was very, very strange. But now that the world is so much smaller with the Internet, you realize, wow, no, there are people really into this stuff. So, yes, you know, I, if I talk to my parents or my mom, it, you know, it's kind of like, oh, wow, you're into that weird stuff. But then you go online and you're like, oh, my God, I'm not into anything weird. There's right. nothing. I'm you know, fine. I got a family good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: And true crime is everywhere now. It's so popular. That's yeah, true. Yeah, it's one of the most popular content is true crime stuff. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So it it just sort of took over, and I don't know. I was just into it as a little kid. I had, yeah, my murder encyclopedia or whatever the hell that book was of all the different
1: famous killers and. Um, and you're also into horror genre, like classic mm-hmm, horror genre, mm-hmm. like you know the the horror uh, films of the eighties and nineties. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I like the slasher films. Yeah, from the seventies and eighties, and yeah, some nineties, but. Yeah, I, I like slash
1: So you you actually developed a game with Lance recently uh, kind of around this a little bit. Oh,
0: yeah, that's funny. Yeah, so there's a board game called Horrified where you, you play like these, um, like a professor and a villager, basically like villagers, and you're these characters and you're trying to stop the mummy and Dracula and all this stuff. And, and what's funny is I think that a ton of people had this idea and I had had the idea and, and Lance had the idea separate. And then he somehow we communicated with each other like, We should do a modern version of this where we have all the modern slashers, you know, like Jason Voorhees, Michael Myers and Chucky and all that stuff. Um, You could never get the rights. You know, no company
1: would. Right. All those monsters are actually different studios. It's impossible to do it.
0: Different studios. Right. Yeah. So that would never happen in any kind of real capacity. Well, I'll be damned. You know, Lance is is, I don't want to say pushy, but he's just a motivated dude, you know, and I'm a pretty motivated dude, too. So. Um, we just started working on it. And the other thing is I'm motivated, but I can be kind of sloppy motivated. And he's motivated in this real slick way, man. And so we just came up with all these rule sets and he's like getting and I started doing the graphics Asking around artists, and the artists were like, "Yeah, sure." We said, "You know, there's no profit to be made here. We're just making literally two copies of this board game." But then Lance goes overboard. He's hiring guys in Sweden or something to 3D model this, the little figure, little plastic figures, and getting them. Yeah. Pre- and it's like it just got crazy. And then um, it came out. And it was in like all these po- this board game podcast, and Lance had a third copy made uh, for a charity auction, and it went for like fourteen hundred dollars or something for a board game (laughs) (laughs) it was like what is going on this is crazy and now there's a facebook group and everything so
1: and and of course all the files and stuff you actually made available so people could print these things at home yeah it's all free yeah yeah Yeah. that's pretty neat yeah Yeah. Yeah.
0: because we you know the artists didn't get paid we didn't get paid you know we don't own any of this stuff the artists were just nice enough to do it and so we were felt pretty strongly that uh, this has to be for free and you got to share it and 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 keep the artist names out there like that it was written, uh, drawn by them or whatever. So
1: That's great. You've been you've made games before and, and toys before.
0: I used to make toys. God, I forgot about that. Yeah, I did. I used to, I called them in action figures because they were basically hunks of plastic that looked like Star Wars men or G.I. Joe's. Yeah, and then I packaged them up in, like, G.I. Joe and Star Wars blister packs and packaging. It was called Secret Cinnamon Squad, and I had, like, five of them, and then you do a little print run because we were actually making the rubber molds You'd kit-bash Star Wars figures or whatever and add your own stuff. And then I made the rubber molds, and then I made the little plastic figures. And you'd do, like, an addition, I think, like, a 50 or something or 25 and put them on the bubble wrapper and do the card stuff. Yeah, they were, like, real—you yeah. could find them, probably. Secret Cinnamon Scott.
1: I don't know. Yeah. And I'm bringing this up because— I talk about you being interested in, like, horror and, like, you know, the murders and stuff. But the truth is you're also interested in Star Wars and Joe yeah, figures, yeah, and you're also yeah. creating art and producing well, toys out of that space as oh, well. Oh, yeah. And pay- I started painting again, too. Yeah. So I, I guess yeah, that is a lot of stuff. <laughs> I always
0: wonder, I was just asking my cousin, Patty, we were just talking about the idea of, like, God, don't you wish you could just be interested in, like, my brother, he was, like, four years old. I'm going to be, you know, a deputy. And he... Which was like a laser. And I asked Patty, like, don't you wish you were, you were just into one thing so you could actually like really go down a path? And yeah. she's like, no, it's so much more fun to be like this, you know, where we're just changing every couple of months. Um,
1: yeah. I mean, my feel you the, also, you also had a whole genre of doing radio. Oh yeah. Radio. Yeah. I, did.
0: I hosted a radio show. God. <laughs> I, I mean, no, that's, that's the thing is
1: you're really, you're really a diverse, interesting, amazing person. And I, th- I I forget about it sometimes because, you yeah. know, you're just a friend of I forget of mine about stuff.
0: it, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I think that really I'm just running from death, you know, like, hey, you only got so many days. You got to get some shit done. Yeah. And I hear people talk about being unmotivated. I just have to be quiet. I'm like, oh, God, I have the opposite problem. There's not enough hours in the day. You know, I'm getting three hours of sleep a night working on w- weird-ass projects. And, uh, like, man, you got to just... There's so much stuff to do. There's so much great stuff. I start, just started a series of paintings of, uh, uh, of nude people wearing uh, plastic monster masks. <laughs>
1: And they're like terrible. Everything. I'm trying to paint realistic. And I'm, I'm freaking horrible at it. Wait, are you saying that you're supposed to? You're trying to write, paint real monsters, but they look like masks? No,
0: it's just models that I've hired to, to pose, and then I, I put plastic monster masks. on. Them. <laughs> <laughs> they're on Instagram. You can check them out. Right, I'll take a look. I haven't
1: spotted any, so I'll take a look.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like I'm, I'm trying to learn blending, and because I, I never, I had like art classes with Miss Lonnie in high school, which were great because she's awesome, but. Uh like, I never had like college <laughs> painting class, so I'm trying to like, everything's been abstract sort of uh, figures before, but now I'm trying to paint realistic and I'm terrible, but whatever.
1: I have a couple of your paintings and they're fantastic. I, mean, I've always liked your...
0: I love the one that you have. Yeah.
1: Oh, you have a couple. Yeah, yeah you're right. The, I do have a couple. Yeah. The one that was by your door. That's a great one. Yeah. And those, what you're saying is they're more abstract in the sense that they're just silhouettes. So they're yeah, there's yeah, a there's lot sp- of texture and a lot of quality to them, but they're silhouetted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These new ones are not, yeah.
0: Exactly, and there's no like, uh, there's no depth to them. They're, they're not three dimensional in any way. There's no, they're just form. You know, yeah. sorry, my dogs are freaking out. Somebody's. That's kind of
1: right. Um, and the, the one of the questions I have for you is that you were painting really consistent, like almost every day mm-hmm. in the evening, doing all this. show, and then you were showing all over Santa Cruz. We started being, and you know, I was finding the ones that I liked and mm-hmm. I bought a couple. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then you stopped painting for quite a while. What? Why did you stop?
0: fuck fish no just kidding that's from adaptation um (laughs) from adaptation (laughs) Yeah. she asked him you know he said fuck fish i'll never set foot in the ocean i'm not like i'm not that extreme but um no i i don't i i started thinking about this book and i uh i didn't have time to paint and also to be honest it got kind of cold in the garage so um it was like okay i'm gonna take a break from this this painting for a little while and focus on the book. So it was sort of intentional. It wasn't that I lost okay. interest in the painting or anything. It, it was the book just really um, started eating at my time. And I really wasn't doing that many. I guess I was doing the board game, but I wasn't doing too many other projects.
1: So the book was all consuming.
0: Yeah, I just dove in, into it. Uh, Maria and I, my wife and I went and saw um, uh, the, uh, Mickey Alufi, his name is, he, he gave a presentation. He was a deputy sheriff that was really like the lead on the Kemper investigation. We went and saw him speak down in Aptos. And we, had, I had been talking about like a video project with one of my coworkers, Greg, and talking, you know, like we got to do something. Like this, is just this great story. It's always sort of been there. I've been thinking about it for years and years. And um, and when we went and saw Mickey speak, like his memory's really good. He's super sharp. But like, you look out in the audience, and like everybody was eighty years old. And I started like <laughs> my heart started beating, and I'm, I'm like, this is the story's not going to be around, and like. 20 years 10 years maybe even and, and sure enough a couple of people that I've interviewed one guy I interviewed he died the next day I, he went to go look for pictures for me and I called him at he and he had passed away oh my god! I, I couldn't believe it I know he was such a such a great guy too and his interview was so insightful but anyway so I saw uh, Mickey Alufi speak and it was like the next Monday at work I was sitting in my office and I'm like okay I gotta I have to start I have to do this book right now like it's time and, um, and then I just started calling people, uh, immediately and doing interviews. Did it look like a book to you right away? Yeah, that's funny. You should say that because w- when it first came out, when the book first came out, I had taken so many pre-orders on it that I, I just felt overwhelmed with trying to, cause I'm doing all the sales myself. Mm. And so I, I for v- just like two days, I thought, ah, I'm going to try to get an agent and, and maybe get this book, you know, the second edition published by somebody else, maybe a real publisher or something. But, um. The, all the the agents are. They said, "Send us your or whatever they're called." I can't even remember what they're called. Agents? Yeah, I guess so. Representative of some sort. Some. Yeah. They said, "Send us your manuscript," and I th- I was so insulted by that because in my mind it's sort of a. I'm just sort of following what you just said, but in my mind the whole thing is a piece of art. Like it is a book. It's not goddamn manuscript like this is the cover and this picture goes on this page and the words match this picture right here so you turn the page and it looks a certain way and the table of contents look a certain like yeah it is um it is a a thing it is this book Because really, ultimately, for me, that's all I want. Like, money's fantastic and everything, but I just want this piece of art on my shelf when I am old. And I want it to look how I want it to look. I want the paper to smell the way I want it to smell and feel the way I want it to feel. I want that goddamn cover to be...